All righty, here we go. Welcome, folks, to this uh, Monday evening for some of us um, <clears throat> session on, we'll be talking about um, special relationships in Chapter 15. Um, if you're new to our style and our approach, uh, try not to get too overwhelmed. <laughs> Just keep coming back, and it eventually it'll make some sense, uh, hopefully. <laughs> Um, but race relationships, especially in the course, is, is really kind of flipping things upside down. <laughs> the metaphor of, of the camera being flipped upside down is a really, really good one for relationships. Um, when Jesus talks about relationships in the course, um, it's one of those places where um, the rubber really hits the road in terms of... Uh, looking at guilt, <laughs> why we look at guilt, where is the guilt, why do we have to look at guilt, how do we look at guilt, um, and it, it's really about um, looking at the ego's purpose. Um, we, we either internally we have the ego as a teacher or we have the Holy Spirit as a teacher. Um, usually when we have the ego as a teacher we don't really fess up to that. <laughs> we're off and running and pretending we're just being normal. But if we have the ego as our teacher, um, the way Jesus sees it, uh, we're looking for guilt. And, uh, and we're looking for somebody to blame for our own lack of peace. And rather than owning our own lack of peace and, and realizing we're the ones that pushed, pushed peace away, we have to blame it on somebody else. And it's it, within the context of a special relationship where all of that plays out. <clears throat> Where I get the, where the buck stops, the guilt goes to you and not to me. The, the responsibility for me not feeling peaceful, I put on somebody. I have to put that on somebody. Um, otherwise, I'm going to own it and then just let it go with Jesus' help. So, so it's in, there's a, a number of interesting things about special relationships, um, especially in terms of chapter 15. It's the first place he really talks about uses the phrase special relationships. Um, he, he really did uh, hit on um, special relationships and holy relationships early on in chapter 13. We'll take a look at that just to see where he really set it up that all this relationship stuff from the ego's point of view was all about looking for guilt. And it's in the chapter on guilt. It's in chapter 13, section 10. We'll take a look at that. Um, but the t first time he uses the phrase special relationships is in section 5, chapter 15. Um, um, and uh, we'll look at, hopefully we'll look at parts of section 5 and section 6 today. The three main themes that he brings up that he hasn't brought up previous to this um, in chapter 15, one is the holy instant, which he spent the first four sections talking about. What is the holy instant? Certainly from... Um, Putting that in what we're we're sort of used to is it, the only answer really is the third step of forgiveness. Once we let go of blaming our brothers for whatever they did to us, and then we let go of blaming ourselves, um, then what happens is the holy instant. We have an experience of uh, the reflection of oneness, the reflection of peace, the reflection of heaven in in whatever we're doing. So the Holy Instant really is the third step of forgiveness for, from, from the Course's point of view. Um, and it's where we want to get to. <laughs> we want to have a Holy Instant. Um, we want to stop 
hanging on to guilt, guilt projected on our brothers and guilt projected ultimately on ourselves. The other thing he talks about for the first time in chapter 15 is, is special relationships and, and really spells that out and then is often running for the whole all the way up through uh, chapter 21 he's using that phrase special relationships after chapter 21 he kind of drops the relationship part and just starts talking about specialness in general. <laughs> like, specialness is not a good thing. <laughs> Special in the course is like Saturday Night Live, church lady. Is, are, is that the devil? Is that special? Special in the course, you don't want to be special. <laughs> you, want to, you want to be magnanimous. You want, you want to see everybody in the light of Christ. So we're moving from special to holy. Um, so it, it's not special isn't particularly a good thing. There's some places where Jesus, you know, uses the word special in a good way. It doesn't last long though. <laughs> and he's talking about we all have a special role in, in the atonement plan, meaning we all have the same role. <laughs> There's nothing special about it. <laughs> but he, he actually calls it special at that point. The other phrase he talks about a lot in chapter 15 and the fact after um, from section seven on is he really nails sacrifice sacrifice this court is not a course about sacrifice <laughs> he's mentioned sacrifice a few times started talking about it a little bit in chapter three mentioned it a few times along the way but in in chapter 15 he's really going to look at this idea of sacrifice especially in respect to our relationships how that plays out how we're always either compromising or bargaining in our relationships, trying to get something. You be nice to me, I'll be nice to you. You know, in time and space, that's okay. <laughs> it's okay to do that. But to take that seriously and, and to, like, invest all of our salvation in that and believe that's where we're going to get um, some kind of feel-good from, from these special relationships, that's where we get ourselves in trouble. Because it's really a setup not to feel good. <laughs> we feel good for a little while maybe, but it's really a setup for eventually the other shoe will drop, the relationship goes bad in some way, shape, or form in time and space, and then, and then we get to blame, i.e. lay our guilt on somebody else. So this whole thing about um, laying guilt um, it, it's the ego's job to do that, <laughs> it, is to lay guilt, lay the blame for our, our lack of peace on somebody else. And that's a pretty brief definition of what special relationships are all about. Sometimes it's obvious, Jesus calls those special hate, <laughs> when we obviously don't like somebody, and we're obviously blaming them for something they did or didn't do. Um, and then there's the special love relationships where we think we're trying to get something from the relationship to make us feel good for a little while. And then when it goes bad, <laughs> that's when the proverbial doo-doo hits the fan and we get to lay the blame on whoever it was that let us down. So it's not a very nice topic. <laughs> from the ego point of view, nobody wants to hear this stuff. It, um, it's just not something <laughs> that the ego wants to admit, uh, look at, face up to, and, and actually maybe do something about them. So, um, holy instant, first time, special relationships, first time, and then sacrifice really for the whole 
second half of, of chapter 15 really goes after this idea of how we believe we have to sacrifice. We have to pay to play. Different ways of describing it, and we'll get, we'll get into all those kind of ideas. Um, but we have to suffer in order to get something good. <laughs> Jesus is like, nah, you don't have to. <laughs> you gotta, you got to deal with this belief in sacrifice. Be willing to look at it a different way and let it go. So all those things are going to be happening in chapter 15. Um, we've covered the holy instant up to this point, and uh, we're going to look a little bit at special relationships today. I wanted to, uh, as an opening meditation, seems like we always do this one. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, back up to the last paragraph in the previous section. Section 4, this is on page 311 in the text. And uh, it's paragraph 9. And uh, it's one of those hard-hitting statements in paragraph 9. The necessary condition for the holy instant does not require that you have no thoughts that are not pure, but it does require that, have you, that you have none that you would keep. And then that opens the door up for our looking at the purpose of special relationships, is that we keep investing in them, not admitting we're doing that, and then the, the sole purpose of a special relationship from the ego's point of view is always ultimately to find guilt and blame for our own lack of peace. So, so it's not saying don't have special relationships. <laughs> you don't have to like go into a relationship um, hell bent on being uh, making it holy <laughs> from the get go. If you were willing to do that already, you wouldn't need the course. But Jesus is trying to you know get us to look at there's benefits to to having um, allowing Jesus or the Holy Spirit to change our special relationship into a holy one. It really is then becomes a mirror of our relationship with Jesus. All of our relationships at that point, in time, seemingly in time and space, simply become a reflection of our, our real, real relationship with that voice of love inside of us. Call it Jesus or the Holy Spirit. So, doesn't require that you do not have special relationships, but it just requires that you be open to having none that you would keep, <laughs> that you're willing to change the purpose of your relationships and have a move from a, a purpose of, of looking for guilt to uh, another purpose. So, um, Lynn, you want to read paragraph 9 on page 311, and then we'll get quiet for a little bit, and you're on mute. The necessary condition for the holy instant does not require that you have no thoughts that are not pure, but it does require that you have none that you would keep. Innocence is not of your making. It is given you the instant you would have it. Atonement would not be if there were no need for it. You will not be able to accept perfect communication as long as you would hide it from yourself. For what, would you, for what you would hide 
is hidden from you. In your practice then, try only to be vigilant against deception and seek not to protect the thoughts you would keep to yourself. Let the Holy Spirit's purity shine them away and bring all your awareness to the readiness for purity he offers you. Thus he will make you ready to acknowledge that you are host to God and hostage to no one and to nothing. We'll get quiet for a little bit. I'll bring this out. And gently, gently come back. Uh, over the years, you know, I've, I've met a lot of course students, and, and some of them, them think that because they worked the workbook alone, <laughs> you know, they didn't have to bother to read the text. In fact, their description of, yeah, I've done the course, been there, done that, is somehow they managed to get through the lessons. Um, and that's not a bad thing. <laughs> However, there's major topics like special relationships in the course that are pretty much um, central and inherent to what we need to look at from Jesus' point of view in order to let it go that are not mentioned at all in the workbook. Laws of chaos really aren't mentioned in the workbook. Special relationships are not mentioned specifically, though it's certainly more than implied throughout the whole, whole workbook. But it's not mentioned, it's not talked about the way it is talked about in chapters 15, 16, 17 especially. What they are, what they're for, how the ego uses them. I mean, you really have to read the text to get a lot, a lot of the real meat of the course if you want to get the course. Uh, if you want, you want to kind of um, get the course on, a, on a, a, a much more surface kind of level, then yeah, just work the... The lessons, however, you know, if you want to get the whole course, you have to have to, you know, read, <laughs> read the text, actually try to assimilate some of it and read the manual too, manual for teachers, in order to be able to demonstrate and practice um, this course to adults. Um, so it's good to I think to keep that in mind <laughs> that that there's there's definitely things in the text that are not in the workbook and this is one of the big ones for sure and it's taken them 14 chapters to get to this expose on the way the ego uses relationships so it it's really important <laughs> what he's laid down so far in the 14 chapters leading up to this 
and then where he's going to go in chapters 15, 16, 17. Um, one of the resources that we think <laughs> for getting through anything, including special relationships, in the back of the concordance for A Course in Miracles, we call this affectionately Big Red, it's big. <laughs> it's even bigger than the course. If you want to beat up bad course students, this works really well. <laughs> bad course students, bad. So, this, uh, in the back, and I didn't know this for years, you know, there's every word in the course is in, in this concordance. It tells you where it's at, um, how many times it's in there. But in the back, for a few pages, it talks about, it uses phrases. The holy instant is in there. Special relationships is in the back. It tells you where where Jesus is talking about them, how many times he talks about them. And so if you want to get an idea of, uh, you know, if you're trying to get <laughs> your own thoughts together on it, or you're actually going to do a presentation on relationships in the Course, this is the thing to go to. <laughs> and they don't print them anymore. Nowadays, if you go online and um, look in uh, either Amazon uh, or uh, eBay, They've gone up. A year or two ago, you could get them for like 25 bucks used. Um, but these days, you know, whoever was selling them realized they're not being published anymore and they're hard to get, and they're like 75 bucks now. <laughs> Still worth their weight in gold. <laughs> Definitely recommend getting one if you don't have one. Um, but yeah, Big Red, especially for special relationships. Special hate is in here, special love is in here and special relationships in general is in the back and all the places where you can find all you would ever want to know <laughs> about those top topics um so any anything so far about anything i've said or you know anything that's come up um so, in the Course, he talks about the Holy Instant about 150 times. Um, similarly, he talks about relationships in general, both special hate and special love, about 200 times. And then, finally, sacrifice about another 200 plus times in the Course. So, these three big topics in Chapter 15 are, are pretty much equally talked about throughout the whole Course, and certainly in conjunction with each other. Um, first, however, I really wanted to uh, look at chapter 13, where he, he, he really talks about special love relationships and, and holy relationships without actually using those phrases. And in chapter 13, it's, um, it's in section 10, release from guilt. And he's really talking about release from guilt in our relationships, the way we, we're, we're just so driven to find guilt in, you know, at first our brothers and then ultimately keep the guilt within ourselves hidden from, from ourselves by projecting it onto our brothers. And so, I mean, this in this section, he doesn't use the phrase, and this was, I didn't know this either. You know, we talk about, special relationships, we talk about holy relationships, he does not use the phrase holy relationship at all in chapter 15. He doesn't use the phrase holy relationship at all in chapter 16. 
he does it, um, even though we use it all the time, and it's become, you know, a regular Course in Miracles students kind of vernacular, he doesn't really use the phrase holy relationship until he gets to chapter 17, a specific section on holy relationships. And then he's often running using the phrase all the time. But it, it was kind of, as, as usual, mind-blowing to me that <laughs> here's this, you know, initial chapter on special relationships and he's not using the word holy relationship at all yet until two chapters later however what he does use the phrase he does use instead of holy relationship going all the way back to chapter 13 is real relationships <laughs> you got unreal ones i.e special <laughs> or you've got real ones i.e holy so he likes that word real. In fact, he, he continues to use real relationships th throughout the whole course. But the first time he uses it is right here in this section, Release from Guilt. He talks about real relationships. Eventually, he'll call them holy. So, paragraph 1 on page 262. You are accustomed to the notion that the mind can see the source of pain where it is not. In my brothers. <laughs> I know who the bad guys are. <laughs> now Jesus is like, no, nah, it's not in them at all. You're just projecting it on them. It's really coming from you hanging on to your own insanity inside. And you don't even know you're doing that. But you're accustomed to the notion that, the, that you can see the source of pain where it is not. In fact, we insist on it all the time. <laughs> That's what the world is for is to take all our guilt and dump it on it. <laughs> and in time and space, people do some pretty nasty stuff, so it's easy to find somebody to blame in any given moment. <laughs> Just watch the news, you know, watch when you get upset at your partner or your kid or, or the people in traffic. I mean, it's easy to find people to blame all the time, which is what the ego's purpose is. So we don't own it ourselves and then let it go. So we're accustomed to that. <laughs> it's what we do as egos. In fact, we're driven to do that. We're not just accustomed to it, doing it. <laughs> it's our job as an ego to figure out who it is to blame. So line two, paragraph one, the doubt service of such displacement, <laughs> the doubtful service. He's being nice there. <laughs> it's actually what keeps us in misery all the time. <laughs> the doubtful service of projecting our guilt on our brother is to hide the real source of guilt internally and keep from your awareness the full perception that that guilt is insane. So first we got to kind of let go of blaming our brothers for everything. And then we get to go back inside and realize all the guilt that we're internally hanging on to is all made up. It's insane. It's crazy. We didn't have to do that. We didn't have to pretend we were guilty. God didn't stop loving us. <laughs> we didn't commit mortal sins. We didn't leave heaven. We didn't do any of that stuff. Jesus didn't go anywhere. We're the ones that pretend, are always pretending he's not there, but, you know, all we have to do is let go of pushing him out of our awareness, even though he's right in front of our face all the time. And rather than let that that pushing him away out of our awareness go, we hang on to this guilt of believing we pushed him away. That he can't love us. Look what we did. And then, 
on top of all that, we don't admit that that's what we did. That's what we're trying to believe. And rather than let that sanity go, we have to blame it on somebody in order to keep it going. So we don't see what the real source of guilt is. And that's what he's really talking about through the whole course and certainly in chapter 13. Line 3, displacement of this guilt, meaning putting it on our brothers in all these special relationships. Displacement always is maintained by the illusion that the source of guilt from which attention is diverted, i.e. me, <laughs> i.e. me believing I pushed Jesus away, that that must be true. So now I, I've, I've totally forgotten. I'm the one that thought I was guilty. I projected it on my brothers, and now I'm afraid of them because look what they did. So it must be fearful, or you would not have displaced the guilt onto what you believed to be less fearful. So my own guilt is pretty fearful, the idea that I left heaven, that I threw Jesus out the window, whatever words you want to use. And then rather than fess up that that's what I think I did and how silly that is, I, I take that guilt and I displace it onto something a little less fearful. Meaning every relationship I've got. <laughs> that's what we do with everything. Whether it's my relationship with my computer, my dog, my cat, my partner, my car, my job. If we're displacing the guilt from internally onto something else, it's, it's spread equally on everything. The guilt gets spread out everywhere. It's just a fact. <laughs> it's a fact that we don't want to admit. And he goes on. Line 4, you are therefore willing to look upon all kinds of sources, meaning every special relationship we have, provided they are not the deeper source to which they bear no relationship at all. All of our special relationships are just a distraction from where, where the real source of pain is. Always that, only that, nothing but that. Then the good news is they're all made up. <clears throat> and the bad news is we don't know they're made up <laughs> until we start asking Jesus for help to help us look at him. And basically that's what, you know, the first step of forgiveness is lesson five. Maybe I'm not upset for the reason I think. Maybe I'm not, maybe where I put all the blame and the guilt is not why I'm really upset. Maybe it's got nothing to do with them. And granted, in time and space, people do not very nice things. But what if that's not the reason I'm upset? Would I be willing to look at that? It's got nothing to do with all these special relationships I have that I'm constantly needing to blame my life piece on them. So we're willing to look at all kinds of sources provided it's not the real source, <laughs> meaning me hanging on to this idiot belief that I left heaven, that I pushed Jesus away. And so, line two, insane ideas like that, <laughs> believing you, you, know, you push Jesus away and now you don't want to own it and you're putting it on somebody else, insane ideas have no real relationships, for that is why they are insane. There's no real communication. It's just something we insist on believing that just isn't true. Line two, no real relationship. No holy relationship can rest on guilt. 
uh, well, you, we probably won't argue with that. <laughs> I mean, that, that even even on a superficial level, that sort of makes a lot of sense. <laughs> if it's holy, it, it can't be resting on something as awful as guilt. <laughs> I mean, that would be really dumb. So, no real relationship, no holy relationship can rest on guilt or even hold one spot of guilt to mar its purity. For all relationships that guilt has touched, meaning all special relationships, he just hasn't used that word yet, all special relationships that guilt has touched are used but simply to avoid the real person and where the real guilt is. So, I, it, you know, it, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a double solution for the ego. I don't see you as you truly are as an innocent son of God, and I never see what the real source of guilt is either, meaning inside of me and it's all made up. So, I mean, it's a double whammy, <laughs> you know, against my, my true self. And it works. I mean, you know, on a good ego day, um, we, we don't have any clue where the real guilt is, much less that that guilt is even made up. So we're avoiding the real person, the real innocent son of God, and we're also avoiding where the real guilt is. What strange relationships. <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> what strange relationships you have made for this strange purpose to avoid finding where the real guilt is. And you forgot that real holy relationships are holy and cannot be used by you at all. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God I didn't mess anything up. Um, drop down to paragraph three. In any union, and, and, and he's talking about union in a real generic sense here. He's not talking about a holy relationship at all. In any union, any special relationship with a brother in which you seek to lay your guilt upon him or share guilt with him or perceive his guilt instead of yours, you will feel guilty just underneath it all. I'm either going to be laying my guilt on him or sharing guilt in general. <laughs> look, look how bad we both are. Or I only see your guilt, I don't see mine at all. And all three are really the same thing. <laughs> you can't have one without the other two in any given moment. If I'm laying my guilt on you, I'm just seeing your guilt, I'm not seeing mine. And in a sense, in that sense, I'm sharing guilt. <laughs> You're usually more guilty than me, but, <laughs> you know, when I'm in a good ego day. But I'm kind of sharing the guilt, I'm spreading it around. Not sharing the love. <laughs> I'm sharing the guilt. Nor will you find satisfaction and peace with him because your union, your seeming union with him is simply not real. It's not holy. It's just special. Drop down paragraph three. Line Yet though they suffer, they will, meaning when we're doing that kind of thing, they meaning us, Yet though they suffer, they, they will not look within and let it go. And, the, and Jesus is trying to wake up, get us to wake up to how much we're suffering when, we, when we're doing this stuff. I mean, the suffering is made up, but we sure make up a lot of suffering. 
and we keep that guilt going by always projecting it on our brothers. There's a lot of suffering in doing that. We can't not suffer when we're, when we're caught up in this process. It's not real suffering, it's made up suffering, but still, I mean, we think it's real, and it feels bad. It's, tr it's trying to appeal to our self-enlightened interest here. You'll feel better if, you, if you're willing to look at this and let it go. They will not look within, though, and let it go. They cannot know love. They cannot know peace. They cannot know real joy and cannot understand what all that real stuff is if I'm projecting my guilt on you. Their main concern, in fact their only concern, <laughs> is to perceive the source of guilt outside themselves and beyond their own control. I mean, if you're really the guilty one and you're really robbing me of my peace, you know, on a good day I could lock you up or something, but <laughs> you're still going to try to do it again for sure <laughs> and probably get away with it. So, I mean, we don't have a whole lot of, uh, of anything <laughs> about anybody else. It's the big Al-Anon message. <laughs> the 12-step message in Al-Anon is you can't control other people. You didn't cause it, you can't control them, and you can't stop them from doing whatever they're going to do. Uh, let's see. Let me see. There's such good stuff in here. Paragraph 4. When you maintain that you are guilty, but the source of your guilt lies in the past. Yeah, well, yeah maybe I'm guilty, but it was something I did a long time ago. <laughs> Now, if I'm projecting guilt on my brother, I'm feeling guilty right now, and I'm pretending I'm not. However, when you maintain that you're guilty, but the source of your guilt lies in the past, you're not looking inward where the real source of guilt is. The past is not in you. Your weird associations to the past have no meaning in the present, yet you let them stand, all those past associations, between you and your brothers now, with whom you find no relationships at all because we're operating and we're interacting with our brothers based on a past that's not it doesn't even exist anymore never existed anyway but we're constantly remaking up the past to justify our laying our guilt on our brothers that's why in chapter 15 he really goes off on the past the holy instant is now <laughs> but we're so consumed with the past he says the chief learning device of the ego is to keep us preoccupied with the past. He actually says that. It's the way the ego teaches us to be careful. <laughs> guilt is everywhere and it's going to happen again. And it's not your guilt. Because of what happened in the past. Because how I got hurt in the past. And how, you know, it's almost guaranteed I'll be hurt again. So it's this preoccupation with the past and, and, and not, not being willing to have a holy instant right now is one way of looking at it. Uh, let's see. wanted to look at a little bit at paragraph 6 on the next page, 264. As long as you believe that guilt is justified in any way, you know you're right. You know you're, what your brother did was wrong. And you know it robbed somebody of their peace. Maybe not you specifically, but rob somebody that was innocent. 
as long as you believe that guilt is justified in any way, in anyone, pick your favorite bad guy, whatever he may do, you will not then look within and, and face up to what the real problem is, the real issue, where you would always find atonement. The problem's never out there. The problem's always internal, and the problem was made up. <laughs> That's what the atonement principle says. The problem never happened. You just believe it happened. You believe you left heaven. The end of guilt will never come as long as you believe there is a reason for it that is justified, that your judgment upon your brother is justified, and ultimately your judgment upon yourself is justified. If you drop down to, um, let's see, paragraph 10 on the next page, Re release, release others and release yourself. Release, release from guilt as you would be released. Re release your brothers from guilt as you released. There is no other way to look within. If you've chosen to be a course student, this is your path. Path. There is no other way to do this. <laughs> you know, I mean, there are other spiritual paths, but if you've chosen this as your path, there is no other way to look within and see the light of love shining as steadily and as surely as God himself has always loved his son. We have to let go of believing in guilt. In our brothers, step one. Secondly, in ourselves, step two. That's why, that's why you can't talk about special relationships without equally understanding. It's all guilt displacement on those special relationships and the need to do that, the desire to do that, the desperation to do that, the insanity of doing that. <laughs> and this is what is Jesus trying to get us to look at here. Special relationships, knowing who the bad guy is, always keeps us locked into believing we are upset for the reason we think. Which is why we never look within. <laughs> That's why we don't look within. We know where the problem is. Let me tell you. <laughs> I'll get you to agree with me if you just listen to me for 20 minutes. <laughs> You'll understand the way I'm seeing it. So just having that, this really just opens up chapter 15, I think, and, and this whole discussion of the holy instant <laughs> when we let go of all the guilt um, special relationships how we keep ourselves locked into the guilt and putting it out there and then finally moving all of our relationships from special to holy and letting go of the idea that somebody has to sacrifice pay to play in any given relationship so yeah any thoughts or questions about any of that so far It's rough stuff, um, and I think it, it really is where the, the, yeah. Go ahead, Dave. I just want to thank you, because there's times when I'm reading this, and he switches, like, from me to they, and that always confused me so much. It's like, but it was really meaning just us as a whole. And then he goes back to you again, and there were points <laughs> when I was reading it, I would get so lost, and I think you really clarified a lot for this. Unless it's obvious that he means they, it's probably me. So, thank you. Yeah, and since they are me, it's always about me. <laughs> I mean, there's always that. 
I, I was also uh, noticing a few minutes ago, you said something that reminded me of the, the, um, the phrase, I'm going to paraphrase is the strain of constant judgment is virtually intolerable some, somewhere in the course. And I was thinking, well, that's, that kind of, you know, fits nicely with, with, the, you know, the fact that we, we don't really examine our, you know, we don't monitor our thoughts carefully enough. <laughs> and if we were actually really to tr truly pay attention, you know, we'd notice why we get so worn out. Uh, and it's, it's an exhausting process to, to, you know, go through the day and, and whether we're, it seems like whether we're it or not, you know, we're, we're condemning left and right. And the, the blame throwers is firing <laughs> in every direction, practically, if we, unless we pay attention, it seems anyway. So, yeah. 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 I think that's what, I think that's what all the workbook lessons are about is to get, help us get in touch with, especially, especially the early lessons. We name names. We start looking at how judgmental we are all the time. <laughs> I mean, that's how we, we begin to learn. Well, maybe there's a, this is what Jesus is trying to get us to look at so we can stop doing it, <laughs> admit what we're doing, and then, you know, be willing to have, let him change the whole perception of it all. Because it hurts. Because, you know, it, it, it's a drag. Yeah, Stephen. Uh, yeah, with uh, what Bruce was saying, I, I couldn't help but think, and this this has been very frustrating for me over over the years. As soon as I get to feeling like I'm looking at looking at it pretty good, and I'm staying with it really well, I come across something like he said he said he says uh, you're far too tolerant of mind wandering, and you know it sets me back on my heels because uh, I'm like. I'm like, oh shoot, uh, you know, he, he he's watching what I'm doing, and he wrote this, he wrote this years and years ago, and he knows I'm going to get to this point, and then he's gonna he's gonna nudge me a little bit more and a little bit more. Uh, so uh, I just wanted to to agree with with y'all. This is, the, you know, you better be vigilant, uh, and being vigilant it, for me it gets tiring and I get weary. Uh, and then I wake up the next day and I open up the, the text and there's the perfect paragraph to get me past wherever that is. Uh, you know, so uh, there are a lot of points uh, in, this, in this course where I have to just keep going, it, you know, because uh, I've wanted to give up, uh, I don't know, three, four hundred times. Thank you. <laughs> okay, if I can comment on that, Stephen. Yeah, I, I, I've noticed that it's, if I'm honest with myself, what really tuckers me out and where wears me to a frazzle is is really being vigilant for for the ego's you know interpretation of things instead of you know listening to the holy spirit when i actually listen to the holy spirit it's like that's easy but but when i'm when i'm actually you know when i'm assuming that the holy the ego's interpretations are correct yeah. that's yeah. that really is wearing you know yeah one way Go ahead, Steve. I, I just want sometimes I think that Jesus is just way, way too tough of a taskmaster. Master. But, you know, I, I love him so much, I just, I just keep going anyway. Thanks. I mean, he really does have your best interest at heart. <laughs> I mean, it might be tough to get through the initial stages, but however. And, 
It's, it's an interesting phrase, mind-wandering, because what he really means is you've wandered from your mind. You, you've taken the source of guilt and you wandered right out of your mind in your awareness and you're blaming it on this whole world you made up of time and space. We're the ones that wandered. <laughs> mind didn't wander anywhere. It's just our focus wandered from what the real source was from the mind and then put it on the world. That's really good. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's look, finally, <laughs> where he starts talking about special, special. Ain't that special? <laughs> special relationships. Uh, it's on page 312 in chapter 15. He actually gets to the phrase in, ch in uh, paragraph 3, even throws special relationships with special love <laughs> and italicizes both. That's pretty wild. Um, but before he gets there, he, first he starts talking about in paragraph one what the Holy Spirit's main chief learning device is. The holy instant. Paragraph two he talks about <laughs> the ego's main chief learning device is our preoccupation with the past. And look what happened to me. Oh, poor me. <laughs> look, at, look at the suffering I've endured. The Al-Anon salute. <laughs> oh, poor me. <laughs> so, the past is the ego's chief learning device. And, and the Holy Instant, coming into the present with the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit's most useful chief learning device for teaching you love's meaning. And then paragraph one, line two, for the purpose of the holy instant is to suspend judgment entirely. We stop judging our brothers, we stop blaming them, and then ultimately we stop blaming ourselves. Suspend judgment entirely. We're not throwing around the doo-doo on anybody anymore, especially in including ourselves. Judgment always rests on the past, for past experience is the basis on which you judge. That's why the past is so important to the ego. That's why we keep regurgitating and re-digesting re, re the past. It's, it keeps all of our judgments justified. That's what he says in paragraph two. The past is the ego's chief learning device, for it is in the past that you learned You've learned, as a separated individual son of God, to define your own needs, what you needed to, to have brought to you and what you needed to have kept away. What you thought you needed was special love, and what you thought you needed to keep away was a special hate. What you needed. Define your own needs and acquired methods for meeting those needs on your own terms. <laughs> I'll figure this out. I got it. I don't need Jesus. I, I, I got it. <laughs> I know what I need and I know what I don't need. All based on the past. Um, wanted to point this out just, just to see where it's going. <clears throat> he likes that word um, chief. <laughs> So in this case, he's saying the past is the ego's chief learning device. Even later on, he gets really specific, and he says, this is on page 341. Keep your finger on 312, but on page 341 in chapter 16, <clears throat> this is paragraph 2, line 3, page 341. The special love relationship is the ego's chief weapon. 
for keeping you out of heaven. <laughs> so there's a lot of chiefs going on here. <laughs> Who's your chief? You're going to let the Holy Spirit be your chief? Go be your chief. It does not appear to be a weapon, but if you consider how you value it and why, you will realize what it must be. And then he goes on. It, it gets worse. The special love relationship is the ego's most boasted gift and one which has the most appeal to those unwilling to relinquish their own guilt. It's such a setup. <laughs> this is one of the most mind-blowing setups, I think, in the course, is when we begin to realize all the special love we were chasing was just a setup to turn it into guilt down the road. And, you know, usually we're not until our early 40s. In most cases, some people get it earlier. <laughs> but in our early 40s, we begin to realize what the setup was, that everything we chased somehow let us down even if we got it, especially if we got it. <laughs> and then down the road, it just went bad on us. That's just another way of des describing special love, and it's the ego's boast, most boasted gift, how we most trick ourselves, how we get these few crumbs of feeling good for a while, but then the other shoe drops. It's probably, you know, in, in some ways, it's the most insulting <laughs> part of the course. But it's also the way we keep ourselves trapped in the ego and, and keep being willing to put up with it for a few crumbs here and there that eventually just disintegrate into nothing. And then we really get to blame the other guy because look what they did. I loved you and look what you did. <laughs> you let me down. And, if, you know, if it's true, and, and from Jesus' point of view, it's true, and certainly from our experience as course students, if that's all true, then of course we would want to look at that and fess up to it and be willing not to do that anymore. Because it, it, it's rough. <laughs> it's, it's a rough life. <laughs> it's, it, you know, all of this was made as an attack on God, as a place where God could not enter. Guilt is a place where God can't enter. <laughs> That's what guilt's for. Which G word do you want? <laughs> guilt or God? <laughs> so going back to page 312. Any, anything so far? I mean, it's really insulting to our egos to look at this stuff. <laughs> In page 341, I just looked down a little bit, and this is the place where it says in paragraph 3, um, a sentence 6 about this world is the opposite of heaven, <laughs> being made to be its opposite, and everything here takes a direction exactly opposite of what is true. true. I mean, that's just so, um, it says it all, you know, where <laughs> anybody who thinks that this is a wonderful place. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right there. It's, it's, yeah. But look at that—those be beautiful trees and that beautiful walkway right. behind you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so pretty. Yeah. Some people are on the beach, and some people are out in the vineyards. <laughs> you know, you know, um, a lot of people when they really start understanding what the course is saying. Um, and they talk about, but what about the beautiful sunsets? And what about all of the things that they think are so special in the world? And what I always come back with, well, okay, just just think about that. If, if that just 
that seems so beautiful and so um so wonderful so special just think what the truth must be like you know so you, you think you're you think you're sacrificing something you know by giving up all of this that, that's it it's the idea of sacrifice but we we haven't a clue what the what the truth is and um it has to be better i mean if we believe what this says uh then how much more uh, how, why wouldn't we want that if this if this isn't true so anyway yeah, I think it's it's one of the big turning points that we go through as as course students learning <laughs> learning to deal with special love relationships like sunsets and <laughs> grandchildren and <laughs> I mean it's a big thing. Our, our our perception of innocence, not real innocence, but our perception of what innocence is, but that's always compared to the way the rest of the world isn't innocent. <laughs> That's the problem with the, you know, the nice sunset is nice unless it's not a nice sunset. It's always in comparison to a bad sunset. <laughs> like one that didn't, wasn't colorful or was just old plain Jane or whatever. I remember I got out at a field once. Uh, when, when I made it to the West, you know, that was my big special love relationship. I was finally free of the East Coast. <laughs> I was in the West. I had giant mountains. <laughs> I had beautiful rolling plains. So I get out and I'm watching the the you know the the grass. This is like um, <laughs> dances with wolves when they're walking through the field and the grass is blowing and the prairie goes on endlessly. And I'm just in heaven. And then this tried to bite me. <laughs> it's like wake up, damn it! <laughs> it just came out of nowhere. <laughs> it's like. You know, this is nice. However, there's a lot of not very nice stuff going on here. <laughs> and you're pretending everything's good and, it, and you know, like badgers want to bite you. <laughs> you just invaded their space. <laughs> I didn't even know how bad they were. I was like trying to pet it. <laughs> you don't want to mess with a badger. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big one. Going back to page 312, uh, the first time he talks about special love. Paragraph 3, you cannot love parts of reality. He could have just said period. I mean, <laughs> love's not love if you're lo loving parts. It's either all or nothing. <laughs> you can't love parts of reality and understand what love means. If you would love unlike to God, meaning you're going to choose what you're going to love, who knows no special love, how can you understand it? How can you really understand what real love is, real oneness is, real connection is? To believe that special relationships with special love can offer you salvation is the belief that separation is salvation. So we make up separation, and we make up separated parts that seem to be somehow good for us and then there's of course the lots of separated parts that seem to be bad for us so in those separated parts that seem to be good for us we think there's a few drops of feeling good an occasional sun sunrise sunset and, and you know an occasional relationship that seems to be working um and none of that's inherently bad in and of itself however 
if if they are, and from the ego's point of view, that this is what they're for. They're just setups so that down the road those things let down, and we get to blame them for our lack of peace. Ken, one of the ways Ken would always talk about sunsets is, you know, you watch this beautiful sunset and you're really connected and you're really in, connected with beauty and everything. And then when it goes down, how do you feel? Did it last? Was it a lasting experience? I mean, and it could have been. I mean, you could have walked away from that still feeling really good and still connected and everything. But I, I would, you know, offer that the, the real the real feeling good was coming from the connection feeling, which meant, you know, was still there after the sun went down. Connection is connection is connection. Communication, real communication is there no matter <coughs> where the sun is or who does what, good or bad. Bruce? Hello, hello customer service. Uh, I have an issue with the sunset that seems to have uh, deteriorated. Uh, the, the quality of my euphoria has uh, declined. Uh, I'd like to lodge a complaint. <laughs> yeah, we're so bad. I, I mean, you know, I mean, in terms of the sunsets, like, like we got the whole front range out our, you know, t t 10th floor window. <laughs> and then we rate sunsets, you know, like, oh, last night was great. Tonight's the year. <laughs> it's a little iffy, but last night, man, the colors last night. The perfect clouds, the perfect layers of red. <laughs> there was the pink on the edges. <laughs> but the night is just all all ugly gold. <laughs> just so and then we you know, we, we there's a hierarchy of sunsets. <laughs> no there's not. <laughs> but we make hierarchies out of everything. That's the problem with special love, and then you know, then then they, how could they not 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 let us down? So uh, and he goes on trying to describe it, paragraph three, line five. How can you decide the special aspects, certain sunrises and sunsets, <laughs> special acts, aspects of the sunship, can give you more than others? How'd you ever decide that? <laughs> Why would you decide that? <laughs> the past has taught you this. That's why we hang on to the past. There were times when I felt good and there were times I didn't feel so good and I know what the problem was and who the problem was. The past taught us this. Yet the holy instant teaches you this just ain't so. Connection's a done deal. Peace is available in any experience we have. If we're just willing to ask to have it. That's why we don't ask Jesus for help. <laughs> Because, you know, we, part of us doesn't want it. We don't want to feel the connection all the time. So, paragraph four, because of guilt, all special relationships have elements of fear in them. That is why they shift and change so frequently. They're, they are not based on changeless love alone. So, you know, if somebody's guilty of robbing us of our peace, how could we not walk around with fear? <laughs> they're going to do it again. And if they do it again, they're going to rob me of my peace. I mean, that's a pretty fearful state of mind. Pretty defensive state of mind. Like Bruce was pointing out, I mean, we're always on the defensive. We're, we're vigilant for the ego. <laughs> we're always looking where the shoe's going to drop. 
Paragraph 5, the Holy Spirit, however, knows no one is special. Or everybody's special. <laughs> Either no one or everybody's special, however you want to put it. Yet he also perceives that you have made special relationships which he would purify and not let you destroy. I mean, we can't really destroy anything, but we certainly, you know, when relationships go bad, especially when we feel betrayed or let down, I mean, go to any divorce court, oh my God. <laughs> We're all hell-bent on destroying at that point. There's, there's guilt <laughs> to go around, all, all around. It, just go to any, any, any scene, any drama where somebody feels like a loved one let them down. However unholy the reason you made them may be, meaning ultimately looking for guilt, the Holy Spirit can translate them into holiness by removing as much fear as you will let him. How much we're willing to invite him in the process in any given moment. He'll change the whole thing in a heartbeat if we let him. That's his job. <laughs> That's what he's good at. That's his only job. So let him do it. <laughs> Invite him in. Ask for a perception change. I mean, you see, I'm not upset for the reason I think. Paragraph 8. Everyone on earth has formed special relationships. Well, yeah, that's why we came here. <laughs> to take the internal guilt and put it out there so we don't look at what the real source of it is. And although this is not so and although this is not so in heaven, the Holy Spirit knows how to bring a touch of heaven to those relationships here. <laughs> so let him touch our relationships with a little touch of heaven. Line uh, three, without the values from the past, you would see all your relationships the same. And like yourself, you would see your brothers the same, you would see yourself on the same level as your brothers. All still innocent, all still guilt-free. Page 314, and then the next section, it's called the Holy Instant and Laws of God, but he's really still talking about relationships here, special relationships. Um, laws of God is a funny phrase. It, it, it doesn't really, you know, there's no place in the Course where he says what the laws of God are. A lot of times he spent, especially in Chapter 7, if you want to refresh yourself on the laws of God, Section 2 and Section 4, in the Gifts of the Kingdom, the Law of the Kingdom is actually a section. Chapter 7, he usually frames the laws of God about what they're not. <laughs> they're not about projection of guilt. <laughs> They're about extension of forgiveness. If there's a law at all, it's an extension. You extend what you are. If you think you're an ego, you're going to you know, project your ego. If you think you're an innocent son of God, you'll be willing to see that in your brother and extend that blessing to your brother. So if there's a law of God operating at all, it, you know, the, this phrase would be extension. Am I extending love? Am I extending forgiveness? Am, am I... Ex Expen extending innocence, the awareness of innocence in any given moment? Or am I projecting guilt on somebody and judging them for it? Those are really always the two choices. 
So that's what the laws of God are. <laughs> in a nutshell, you extend what you think you are in heaven and in hell. In fact, in hell, if you extend, if you think you're separate, that you you're extending hell, projecting it really from the from Jesus's point of view. And if you you're looking for innocence, you extend the blessing of innocence to your brother, no matter what he did or didn't do. It doesn't mean you know in time and space maybe you should go to jail <laughs> or whatever. It just means that you're not willing you're willing not to condemn him for what he did or didn't do. And just deal with it appropriately. So, paragraph one, it is impossible to use one relationship at the expense of another and not to suffer guilt. Any examples of that you can think of? Using one relationship at the expense of another? Stephen? Uh, yeah, in sports, you did a lot of that stuff. Uh, you know, uh, uh, if I wanted to start, uh, you know, I would uh, um, I would go for the coach rather than one of the guys who was a good friend of mine on the team because it was more important to impress the coach than it was to get along with that with that guy on the team uh, because you know there were only five five positions in basketball, and so you know I. I but if if I had to if I had to dispense with a with with a friendship relationship and, and this is this is in uh, you know grammar school uh, middle school back then it was called junior high and high school you, you know then then I then I would because being with the coach that's what got you there and so it really didn't matter you know it's, it's and also you know I was I was a heavy Catholic and every time I did that eh, good golly the guilt. <laughs> it would kill me, but uh, I got to start, you know, and all, everybody in school liked me, so uh, one for the other. Thank you. Yeah, that's good. Thanks, Stephen. It reminded me of, like, like I went through this singles dance period where I was going to a lot of singles dances, and guess who was in <laughs> All the men at that dance were in my way. I just, like, trashed. I, I didn't, I wouldn't speak to them. I wouldn't look at them. <laughs> And it was just like, and I was aware I was doing that. I was aware I was like ignoring every man in that place. And a lot of them just went there to hang out and talk. And I just wouldn't give them the time of, <laughs> I didn't, I wouldn't get, you know, I would just wouldn't even talk to them. It was, yeah, at the expense of another. I had my mission. <laughs> yeah, and some uh, relationships with women and, uh, just relationships and friendships general, it usually ends up uh, trying to uh, get into debt, you know, and uh, as, uh, or, or, or giving to get something is uh, always sort of responsible for um, at someone else's expense, you know. Well, this particular woman gave me that and you didn't, you know, and we separate our our interests that way, instead of uh, understanding the whole. Yep. Yeah, yeah he, he talks about that in the second line. It's equally impossible to condemn part of a relationship and find peace within it. Like, yeah, they're giving me something good here, but they're a little lacking in this area. <laughs>
they're paying t attention to me here, but uh, there's some, this the other thing I don't quite like about them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it gets really ruthless when we start looking at this stuff. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty friggin' selfish, to say the least. Lots of good guilt, like Stephen said. <laughs> yeah, but you know, um, the one thing about the course, it, it, it enabled us to uh, look at this so we know, so we now know what's happening. You know, I used to do it unconsciously. You know what I mean? And say, oh, it's just part of, it's part of, uh, it's part of the, it's part of what's, uh, what we're supposed to do. You know. <laughs> exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's what I do. <laughs> what do you expect me to do? <laughs> Based on the past. <laughs> yeah. Right. Mm. Um, paragraph five. He talks about the laws of love, the laws of God in paragraph five, a little bit more about what they're not <laughs> than what they are, but Paragraph 5 on page 315, in the world of scarcity, love has no, no meaning. Love in, in, in heaven is everybody's equally uh, one son of God, and, and everybody's, there is no everybody. There's just, there's just oneness. It's all connected. It's all love. But in the world of scarcity, where it seems like we, we have needs, we have lack, love has no meaning, and peace is impossible. For gain and loss are both accepted, and so no one is aware that perfect love is in him. Like Bruce Brickman was saying, we're, you know, this is just what we do. <laughs> it's normal to act like this. In the holy instant, you recognize the idea of love in you. In paragraph 4, he said, we're really ideas. Not, not just the idea of love, but we are an idea. <laughs> we are the idea of love where the extension of God's love. In the holy instant, you recognize the idea of love in you, is you, and you and unite this idea with the mind that thought it and could not relinquish it. By holding it within itself, there is no loss. There can't be loss. There is no scarcity. The holy instant thus becomes a lesson in how to hold all of your brothers in your mind experiencing not loss, but completion, joining, oneness. <clears throat> From this it follows you can only give to yourself. <laughs> if I give it all, I give to myself. And this is love, for this alone is natural under the laws of God, i.e. extension. In the holy instant, the laws of God prevail, and only they have meaning. The laws of this world cease to hold any meaning at all. You know, I keep what I got. <laughs> I keep away what I'm trying to keep away. Line 10, when the Son of God accepts the laws of God as what he gladly wills, what he gladly wants, it is impossible that he be bound or limited in any way. In that instant, he is as free as God would have him be. For the instant he refuses to be bound, he's not bound. He was never bound. He was just pretending he was. It's the big not no. I don't want to be bound anymore. Jesus is like, well, you never were, so watch. Boof. <laughs> now you feel good. <laughs> 
You didn't even know you could. <laughs> You're not bound. You're already joined. I already love you. I never left you. And then as a closing meditation, I thought we could um, do paragraph 8 on page 316. But anybody have any closing thoughts or comments about anything? Jim, you asked me to tell you how the, uh, the little glitch sound was was go, uh, doing. And I'd, I'd say it's, it's considerably better. Uh, there are still a few places, though. Um, just, just make sure that jack is crammed all the way in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good, thanks. Alrighty. So, uh, paragraph eight, um, on page 316, Len, you wanna do that as a closing? Thanks, Dave. In the holy instant, God is remembered. And the language of communication with all your brothers is remembered with him. For communication is remembered together as is truth. There is no exclusion in the holy instant because the past is gone and with it goes the whole basis for exclusion. Without its source, exclusion vanishes. And this permits your source and that of all your brothers to replace it in your awareness. God and the power of God will take their rightful place in you and you will experience the full communication of ideas with ideas. Through your ability to do this, you will learn what you must be, for you will begin to understand what your creator is and what his creation is along with him. We'll get quiet for a little bit. And gently, gently come back. So tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., Lynn will start, 10 a.m. Mountain Time, <clears throat> Lynn will start in on the needless, <laughs> the needless sacrifice. How needless is needless. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for hanging in there, guys <laughs> and gals. Thanks, Thanks for hanging in there with me. <laughs> Bye-bye. See y'all. Have a good evening. Thank you.